I had an interesting experience years ago in India. It was a Kumbh Mela, which is to say a religious fair that happens once every several years in different parts of the country. And monks and other religious people come from many parts of India to talk about their different paths or to uh, have a chance to meet with one another and discuss and so on. <clears throat> well, I came upon a group of these monks, or sadhus as they are called in India, and they were a group that, for purposes of self-control, never lay down, never sat, always stood. And they had a, a um, sort of a ledge that they would lean onto that was suspended from a tree or or uh, built up from the ground, a sort of a scaffolding, so that they could lean on it and uh, sleep that way at night or whenever they were tired. <clears throat> now, this kind of practice, I think, turns most of us somewhat off. And I was somewhat uh, uh, critical, I have to say, when I saw this. And moreover, looking at the men who practiced this, I saw that, first of all, their ankles were all swollen from the blood going down to their feet. Their, their faces looked heavy. Their eyes looked dull. I couldn't really see anything to recommend it, and I felt that they were just being fanatical. I had an interesting lesson in this respect. A little bit later, I went to another compound where there was a man <clears throat> staying who for 13 years had never uh, sat down or laid down. He had a strap around his chest that he would drape onto a branch of a tree and sort of hang that way to go to sleep at night. And again, the practice itself seems still to me fanatical. But I had to say that he looked great. He had a radiant face, well-proportioned body, smiling, peaceful eyes. And I had to say that, well, whatever he's doing, it may not be what I would do, but it obviously is okay for him. And I realized the basic difference between these two um, approaches to the same pretty extreme practice was that one of them had done it because others did it, and they, uh, one group had done it because they'd taken it from outside as an imposition on uh, their own uh, way of uh, approaching God, where the other one had felt some sort of inspiration from within. I think this is essentially the difference between fanaticism and moderation. Normally, we would say, people say, or if they don't say it, they think it, that anybody is fanatical who does something they don't do. People tend to think pretty well of what they themselves do, and that isn't fanatical. But uh, in fact, a balanced, normal approach to self-improvement, to finding God, this is something that all the great saints and masters down through the ages have taught. At the same time, I can't help thinking that what they consider a balanced moderation, many a person in this world would consider fanatical, would consider extreme. A good example was the life of Buddha. 
He went through some of these extreme austerities, the idea being to channel all your energy in one way. The Christians have done the same thing. I, I was so amused. I was in the, um, <clears throat> in the Basilica, the main cathedral of Assisi, and we were going in the lowest of the levels there, of the floors. There was all the quarters where St. Joseph of Cupertino lived, not that many years ago, about two centuries ago, I believe. Anyway, it showed a whip that he had used to flagellate himself. And the monk who was showing us around said that, well, now it's forbidden. The Pope said that we can't practice self-flagellation anymore to mortify the flesh. And here was the part that amused me. He said, but we still do it in a different way. He said that, um, for example, uh, there may be a television program that we particularly like, and we won't watch that for a while. <laughs> it seemed to me uh, fairly far to have come from the severity that the uh, monks used to practice. Well, in all religions, there are practices that have the purpose of essentially mortifying the flesh in order that the will be dedicated to a higher reality. And Buddha, as a young man, when he began his spiritual practices, went and joined a group of, of uh, devotees who were practicing these extreme penances. And he did it for a while. His body became emaciated. He found it more difficult to concentrate. Finally, he decided this could not be the way to God. Moreover, he felt that God has given us, I don't think he used the word God, but we have this body given to us and we should take care of it. We shouldn't treat it badly. We shouldn't mistreat it. And so he decided to follow a more moderate path. Well, his moderate path, mind you, was pretty extreme. He sat under a, uh, under a Bodhi tree and he said, I will not move from this spot. He vowed not to move until he had solved the mystery of life. And he meditated, and Satan finally appeared, and all sorts of tempting and alluring forms, beautiful damsels, money, power, fame, all of these things he just dismissed. And he just, with his knuckles wrapped on the ground, he said, Mara, Satan, I have conquered you. And they all disappeared, and then he went into that state of divine union. Well, moderation then, what he, what he considered moderation, most people wouldn't be able to come close to, nor should they. For them, it would not be moderation. For them, it would be fanaticism, because they would be doing something that's in violation to their own natural state of evolution, to their own natural way of growing. And this is the thing that I want to stress today, that you not define fanaticism or moderation in terms of specific things done, but that you define it in terms, first of all, not of a lukewarm devotion, not of a sort of a uh, vague kind of determination to find God someday and meanwhile I'll get rich. That Many people would call that moderation. You don't want to be fanatical, so why even think of God? Well, you don't want to be fanatical, so why practice any spiritual disciplines? Why be fanatical? Why meditate? A lot of people in this world will 
will take just about anything that they aren't doing that's a step toward goodness, and they will call that fanaticism. In fact, I've noticed that many times when a member of a family will devote himself to seeking God, that all the others will get completely upset with him and try to tell him to be more moderate, come down from your high perch, and uh, so on. And I've often thought if that same person had become a drunk, they would just say, oh, well, too bad. But they'd feel superior to him, and therefore they wouldn't do much about it. It's really the, the feeling of the implied reproof in someone trying to live better than they are that causes them to think of it as fanaticism. The truth is that each one of us should be as sincere as he can be to his own ideals, to his highest ideals, above all to the reason for which we were born. We weren't born to just get rich or have uh, good food and children and wife and husband and so on. Those are just make time. We are here for a higher purpose. We're here to know God. We're here to solve the, the mystery of life, like Buddha. But not all of us are ready spiritually, intellectually, by habit, training, upbringing, whatever it might be. Very few of us, in fact, are ready to do what he did. And if we tried to do it, it would be fanaticism. Why? Because it would be taking us away from what we really are. It would take, be taking us away from our actual center. It would be affirming a reality that uh, is not yet ours. And so I'd like to offer as a definition of moderation versus fanaticism that moderation does not mean lukewarm sincerity, lukewarm devotion, lukewarm efforts at self-development. Sincerity means doing the most that you can without tension. The most that you can do from what comes within your, from within yourself, the most that you can do in keeping with that, but not more, or take one step beyond your present realities, but not two, and let that step gradually expand you to the point where, bit by bit, you find that you can dedicate yourself with total intensity, but then it'll be natural. Whereas if you read the lives of saints, the first thought that will come to most people is, I could never be like that. Well, indeed, you could someday. But Rome wasn't built in a day, as they say. And self-improvement, self-development doesn't come just overnight. It doesn't pay to be fanatical, but it does pay to be as deeply sincere as you can be. Fanaticism means affirming a reality that's out of your own center. Moderation means living from that center and then developing yourself, but always at that center. Don't allow tension to enter your efforts to find God, your efforts to improve yourself. You won't grow that way. It's a saying in, in uh, biology that nature never makes sudden leaps. You don't make a huge leap. You do one little step at a time, and gradually you find that you're growing into that. If you were to give a child of six a lesson in calculus, he would get very discouraged because he'd feel I could never learn this subject. But you teach him multiplication, addition, subtraction, di division. You teach him the basic uh, 
things to do with arithmetic. Then you go into algebra, you go into plane geometry, trigonometry. Bit by bit, you expand his knowledge, you expand his ability to handle, and suddenly the day comes when calculus is a very, uh, if not easy subject, at least well within his grasp if he has any kind of mathematical gift. Now we have to understand the other side of it, that each one of us has a different gift. We're not all made the same. What will help me to grow might not help you. What will help me to feel fulfilled or to unfold might be for you a sense of oppression. So don't let, and this is something else that relatives have a way of doing to people, trying to impose their values. Our family's like this. We think you should be like this. We should think you should do this and so on. Try rather to withdraw a little bit from the family. And I mean, I don't say leave your home necessarily. That's up to you what you do that way. I'm saying withdraw mentally from the false hypnosis of other people's opinions as to what you ought to do with yourself. Get back into your own self. It wouldn't hurt to meditate a little bit and uh, even have a period of seclusion with God and pray to him for guidance in your life. But basically you'll find that if you will just feel what, what you need and what you can do, what you're capable of, you'll find that then, bit by bit, you'll be able to grow in the right way. A friend of mine used to do horoscopes for people. Now, I don't know if you believe in astrology, and I'm certainly not going to get into the discussion of it. It's an interesting one, but I don't have the time. The main thing was that she, whether by intuition or astrology or whatever, she said, I keep getting this man came to her for advice as to what he should do for a living. And she said, it doesn't make sense to me, but I keep getting that you should be working with dead bodies in some way. You should maybe be an undertaker. And she was almost afraid to say this to him because it seemed like such an absurd thing to suggest as a calling. And when she said that to him, he smiled. He said, you know, I, I didn't dare accept that this, is, this was what I should do, but now that you've said it, I have to admit that it's what I've always wanted. Who knows why he had that tendency, but there, fortunately, is something for everyone in this world. And what you need to do is not worry about whether it seems strange or different, but decide for yourself whether it's right for you. Then remember that there are certain things that uh, are right uh, even uh, or wrong, ir irrespective of your actual feeling. For example, you might say, oh, well, I'm so glad you've given me all the justification I needed to become a mafia hitman. Well, that's not quite what I'm trying to say. You see, you may think to find fulfillment by selfishness, by violence, by greed, by all those things which the scriptures tell us not to do. But the truth is that in the end you won't. So there you have to be guided by what's morally right, by what common sense tells you, by what is acceptable. All of these things have to be taken into account. You have to think in terms of what will actually help you to support yourself. Some things that you might want to do, like you might want to be a painter and uh, yet not be able to make a living at being a, a painter, an artist, I'm saying. I've always felt that if a thing is worth doing at all, it's worth doing badly. That means if you don't have it in you, in you to do a 
to be a good painter, then paint anyway because it gives you joy. But naturally you'll have to do something practical in order to make a living. So you can do this in your off time, you can do it on weekends, but do that which comes from within yourself and then constantly reach for the stars. Don't be one-sided. Remember, for example, you can figure that in a month you should drink, uh, let's say, 15 gallons of water. Well, it would be fanatical to say, okay, let me get it over with and try to drink 15 gallons all at once. You have to do everything in its own time with common sense. Um, Saint Teresa of Avila used to say that the main criterion that she had for accepting monks or nuns in her different monasteries was not devotion. She said if they don't have devotion, they can develop in time. But there's one thing they will not be able to develop. And therefore she insisted that they have common sense. And that's what I would say. Don't be fanatical also in the sense that what you do should have common sense. It should be balanced against the other needs of your life. Don't go so much in one direction. And this is what people tend to do when they live by theory. Some people will have the theory that they should go on long water fasts. Well, this, it's very bad for a person to go on a long water fast. They've discovered that people have had a great deal of physical trouble when they've done this. And uh, it's, it's much wiser to throw the dog a bone, to eat a little properly, go on fast occasionally if you want to, but don't overdo it. Don't overdo anything. Don't, for the sake of finding God, sit there and meditate so many hours that you're sleeping most of them. Use your common sense and apportion your time wisely. Do your duty to your body. Do your duty to your mind, to your heart's feelings, to your spiritual life. When you bring all of these into harmony, it's sort of like a flywheel. If it's a little bit out of balance, the faster it turns, the more likely it is to explode. And in fact, a, an imbalanced flywheel that turns too quickly will explode. But if you get yourself perfectly balanced within, then you can turn faster and faster and faster. You can do more and more and more and still remain centered and still keep your peace of mind. I would like to close with just one final thought, and that is the most important job you've got in life is yourself, not the things you do. Don't get so out on a limb doing certain things that you don't give proper justice to your own physical, emotional, and mental and spiritual well-being. Be balanced in all these departments, and you will find that this is the quickest path to self-perfection.